officially our special Marin County Board uh, Board of Supervisors meeting conducting our fiscal 22-23 budget hearings. And I will hand it over to Matthew to get us going this afternoon. Yes, Supervisors, before we go to public comment, I just wanted to follow up on a few questions that came up in yesterday's discussion. The first one involved fine revenue for the Sheriff's Office, and I just wanted to point out that that's roughly $400,000, and that's related to the parking fine revenues at Civic Center as well as Kentfield area. So um, that's what the fine revenues are for. Um, and then secondly, um, there was a comment on the county's budget and on wildfire prevention. And I, I, I did want to point out that you, you may recall at the beginning of our presentation, we talked about the expectation of adding $5 million on an ongoing basis from state revenue. So that would be added and is not currently reflected in the fire's budget. And then, of course, um, the Wildfire Prevention Agency has a $20 million countywide um, fire prevention uh, budget that uh, they are working to implement. Our fire department is just for the unincorporated area of the county, and so I just wanted to clarify those because, you know, obviously wildfire prevention is a high priority for us. And then lastly, um, Supervisor Rice had mentioned uh, comparable county benchmark data, and I just point, you know, the attention to uh, starting on page 50, we have comparable data with comparable counties. And on page 57, uh, we specifically speak to the county expenditures per residence on a per capita basis. And, and we're actually second to the lowest on a per capita spending basis. Uh, so although in general, Marin is a wealthier county, as far as county government and our revenue sources, we are on the, 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 the lower end of that spectrum. And on a FTE or a position per thousand residents, we're third among our comparable eight counties. So, just wanted to point those things out, and then turn it back to you for going on the public comments, unless there are other questions. No. So, just to clarify, so uh, though our, we uh, Marin County is one of the wealthiest counties in the nation, that's really around private wealth. That's not necessarily government. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that most of the the higher income goes to the state and federal government, not to local government. I mean, we do benefit to a certain extent from the property tax, but that's mitigated by a Prop 13. But the income, there is no income tax for the county of Marin, and so most of the higher income goes to the federal and the state government. And then this speaks to also us being a slow-growth county. We don't, um, we have, don't have a lot of new development. We don't uh, traditionally add to our sales tax revenue with large right that's commercial. the other thing the unincorporated area of Marin doesn't have a lot of economic activity base you know we don't have a lot of sales tax in our unincorporated area because m much of the commercial activity is in the municipal areas per design yeah yeah okay all right thank you for that yeah. so um, then we will start off uh, in terms on the public side give an opportunity um, right now at the beginning of our afternoon workshop for public comment on um, uh, any budget-related matters, and then, again, we will follow up the end of presentations this afternoon with another, another opportunity for public comment. I've never done this before. Do I press a button? No, no. you just, just okay. go ahead. Good. Okay, cool. Good to go. All right. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Brenda Godoy, and I've been a Deputy Probation Officer serving the County of Marin since August 2016. I came to this county knowing the population we served, 
because I had spent time working with LCA Services, the company we previously worked with for GPS and alcohol monitoring. It was there that I first got a look at how important it was for our Spanish-speaking community to truly understand the terms and conditions bestowed upon them through the judicial process. I left that company knowing that if I had the opportunity to return, I would come back to Marin. I spent a little over a year in the supervision unit where I worked with a caseload of over 55 individuals, majority of them Spanish-speaking. This role required I work with individuals and help connect them with court-ordered programs such as batteries treatment, DUI programming, drug and alcohol services that would be able to serve them in their language, a hurdle that is sometimes not easy to overcome with the limited resources available to the Spanish-speaking community. However, I want to speak more about what I have done for the bulk of my career. For most of my time with Marin County Probation, I have worked in the investigations unit where I prepare multiple sentencing reports for the court a week. These pre-sentence reports are usually lengthy and include social history such as family, mental, and physical health, drug and alcohol use, what led to their arrest, as well as their statements to the court. I ask questions, listen, and translate in lifetime what they are telling me on paper so that I have these notes readily available for when I am ready to write the report. Oftentimes, the people in front of me do not even know what probation entails. They agree to a plea agreement because they know it means they won't sit in jail, but I am then tasked with informing them of what they are signing up for. I have often met with defendants who are grateful to have someone they can speak to who will understand not only their cultural background, but their language as they tell their stories. They often have a sense of relief to know we will assign them to an officer that speaks their language after sentencing that will help guide them through their probation grant. We also work with the victims of these crimes. I have worked alongside community-based programs such as Center for Domestic Peace to ensure that every victim's voice is heard, whether that be receiving a victim impact statement or taking the time to sit with them and hear their story. I then spend time translating these statements to English in a way that makes sense and still conveys the victim's original message. I take the time to explain the process the defendant will be going through and leave an open door for further communication if needed. Uh, can you can you finish up? I have my last little book. 119 of the 276 pre-sentence reports I have written in my time here have been of Spanish-speaking people. 43%, almost half of my work. Those are 119 stories of people placed on probation and or victims that were able to be told to the court because of the work we do as bilingual probation officers. Okay. We are asking for equity in restoring the bilingual classifications. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Susanna Farber again, Teamsters 856. We represent the probation officers, juvenile correction officers, deputy district attorneys, uh, and also are affiliated with MCMEA. Missed that this morning, sorry. Um, I just want to point out for, for you all that these uh, positions are in the budget. Um, they are not filled with bilingual speakers. They are filled with monolingual speakers. Um, Ten of the 13 positions, three are filled with bilingual. But they exist in the budget. They are in your budget. You And you take money away from these people, these people that serve your community and work very hard. And for Brenda, as a DPO2, if she were to, they, we have a, you know the three that are left in the bilingual classifications, if they want to promote up to a senior DPO and advance their career or promote up to a supervisor and advance their career, they will lose their bilingual classification. Thank you. And if there's no one else here in the chambers, oh. Board of Supervisors. My name is Melissa Davis. I had the opportunity to speak with you this morning. I'm the president of Teamsters 856 Probation Unit, and I'm also a senior deputy with the County of Marin. And this morning, I 
I did an overview of all the work that our our our, de our department does with our our deputies and the um, bilingual class uh, bilingual supervision deputies, the investigation deputies, and their juvenile service deputies. I also uh, wanted to bring in our juvenile correctional officers as well. Our juvenile correctional officers, uh, who are bilingual, serve an incredibly critical um, component to our department in um, working with the youth that are that are in our detention facilities, um, being able to explain to them the rules that, that go on within the facility um, about the judicial process, and then also work with the families to explain to them about the judicial process and, and uh, helping to support the families when the, when the youth um, goes back out into the community and uh, in giving them, uh, providing them services and engagement. So I just wanted to uh, reiterate that as well. I forgot to bring in the JCOs this morning, and I certainly don't want to leave them out. They're a critical component to what we do. So thank you for your time. All right, if there's no one else here, okay, that wants to speak, then we're going to go to folks online. Al? The first speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. I thought that what we were going to be talking about is budgets here for a flood and open space. Uh, I am uh, wanting to address the issue of what I see in this budget as a lack of seriousness with regard to the flooding at Manzanita. Uh, perhaps it's because no one else besides me seems to be complaining about it actively, whereas people from Marin City have uh, made their complaints about their, their afflictions much more um, apparent than the people here. But nonetheless, I think that the uh, flooding at Manzanita deserves attention. And I keep on asking myself why it never receives the attention. And the only, uh, so my suspicions lead me to believe that um, the flooding that everyone gets to endure when it occurs in Mill Valley and in this area, uh, due to the uh, neglect of Manzanita, uh, can be, instead of blamed on the neglect of government services, can be somehow or another used as a poster child for this um, uh, canard uh, known as sea level rise that is being promoted along with this bogus idea of catastrophic climate change. Now, I wish we would uh, get down to the business of government actually serving the particular interests of the people who are paying all this tax money and we get some crews out here. We get a a temporary fix out here in Manzanita, and um, then also get a long-term study going with Caltrans as to basically repair the subsidence in the road structure so that this occurrence, uh, this periodic occurrence could be remedied in a more permanent fashion. Thank you. The next speaker is Lilian Ramirez of Probation. Please unmute. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Lilian Ramirez, and I am a deputy probation officer. I started with the department as an intern and returned as an extra hire deputy probation officer. I have now been employed with the department for approximately six years. As a bilingual deputy, I ask alongside my colleagues that our bilingual titles be given back. I'm currently assigned to the juvenile division. I carry a bilingual caseload to which I serve many Spanish-speaking families in our community. Additionally, I translate various court documents and explain the juvenile justice system at great lengths to ease the family and youth's minds, many that have never been involved with the juvenile justice system in this country. 
Prior to this assignment, I also completed court reports and supervised Spanish-speaking clients in the adult division due to my Spanish-speaking ability. The work does not end here. I also communicate with victims, community providers, and other agencies to educate them and assist them in navigating the judicial process. Thank you for your time. President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right, thank you. Um, so we will now move on to an overview of the proposed Marin County Open Space District budget, and we will take public comment after the presentation and our own uh, questions, et cetera. So uh, Mr. Corton, you're up. Thanks, directors. Uh, Max Corton, general manager, Marin County Open Space District. And uh, yeah, today I'm going to give a presentation of our proposed 2022-23 uh, budget. Uh, this follows up on a, a earlier presentation that I gave, I think, on June 7th. Is that right? Um, and so today's presentation will be in a little bit greater detail, especially uh, around vegetation management and a couple of our other key areas. But I did want to note right off the bat that um, we're going to come back to your board later in the summer with an updated budget since uh, this, this budget does not include revenue from Measure A. And so mm -hmm. now that thankfully the, the um, extension of that measure has been successful, we will uh, come back with an updated budget. So this is looking at our <clears throat> three main funding sources. Of course, we also have uh, six CSAs in a landscape and lighting district, also within our department, <clears throat> but they're relatively small in comparison. And again, to point out that uh, the Measure A, the only uh, 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 funds that are budgeted here are our um, fund balance from uh, previous years. And then this is just looking at those three funding sources uh, between salaries, benefits, and other ongoing fixed costs uh, versus services and supplies. And you can see it's a relatively constrained services and supplies budget. And, um, you know, that's with the revenue from Measure A, we'll be able to do more projects when we come back. Uh, and then this is looking at our employees, uh, 146 total, 57 of those are seasonal. Most of our employees work in operations. Uh, this is the projects that are currently budgeted with, within this existing budget. Uh, biggest area of funding is for park facilities and landscape. Next is veg management, um, public engagement, equity, road and trail management. And, you know, one of the things we'll be doing uh, before coming back to your board is uh, uh, creating a set aside for the, the fuels reduction that's called out in the updated measure. And so creating the controls around that so that it's only expended uh, in the, as the purposes. We'll also be uh, having discussions with the MWPA uh, because one of the requirements in the updated expenditure plan is having an MOU with the MWPA for, uh, to describe how we'll plan these projects together. So uh, um, this is just from my last presentation, I'm gonna go through that quickly. This is some of the new in, uh, detail that's in this presentation versus the one I gave on the 7th. 
I wanted to highlight that we have um, a new portion of the open data portal uh, around vegetation management. So any member of the public can access uh, this information. And what it does is it's a map layer and all those orange dots on the map represent uh, both uh, past and uh, future projects. And people can go in there and they can filter the information by if they just want to see future projects, you can look at that. If you just want to see past ones, you can look at that. If you just want to see projects that used grazing or that you know utilized crews, you can see that. Or by if you just want to see the projects in your neighborhood, you can see that. And so, you know, we've of course this is a really important area of work. There's been a lot of interest in it, so we really wanted to provide transparency in how we do this work and how it's been done in the past. And then uh, these next few slides, I, I asked our crew to try to paint a picture of, you know, what are our vegetation management goals uh, looking forward into the extension of Measure A in the next, you know, um, five years or nine years. And, and one of the things that's really been our goal is maintaining uh, defensible space around our preserves. We back up against about 3,500 uh, homes and, and then also maintaining emergency access for our fire roads. And so this, there's a series of maps here that I have that show um, in yellow uh, both the existing, that's all the existing maintenance, so both the defensible space maintenance and the fire road maintenance. And then the red is uh, defensible space areas that we have not yet uh, done, you know, uh, fuels reduction work in. And so one of our goals is that we are going back every single year to maintain all of the defensible space within our parks and preserves. And so this kind of highlights where, where we've already done that work and where we have some gaps. And so this is looking at uh, the area around Novato. And then, uh, and this is, that was, so that was like Northern Novato. This is looking at Southern Novato. Um, and then this is looking at uh, sort of the Ross Valley and, and uh, San Geronimo Valley uh, areas and, and Terra Linda. Um, and, you know, we've had, we, there's one of the areas that we really want to focus on this coming year is some of the gaps in the San Geronimo Valley there. And then, of course, you know, in partnership with um, the Wildfire Protection Authority and, and the Ross Valley, Greater Ross Valley Fuel Break, um, we'll be able to address some of the areas in the Ross Valley that, that we haven't gotten to in the past. Similarly, in Novato, there's a larger MWPA uh, and Novato fire project that will help to address some of those areas. And uh, we also, I think, I guess it's not in this presentation, but there's, we have another similar map of Southern Marin that includes uh, Mill Valley and, and um, uh, Tiburon, some of our other preserves. And those are all, again, on our website uh, for the community to, to look at. Um, and then, so some of our other priority areas are around uh, equity and community engagement. I described these in my previous uh, presentation, so I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna jump through this relatively quickly. I'm happy to come back to describe it in greater detail if, if there's questions. I did wanna take a moment to describe a couple of our road and trail management projects. You know, our, our road and ma trail management uh, program 
you know, uh, really was created through the development of our road and trail management plan and projects that came out of that. And uh, my, I just want to call out and appreciate John Campo, who leads the planning around these projects and his engagement with the community, which I think has helped to result in some really outstanding projects uh, that really pr help protect the natural environment and provide uh, meaningful recreation uh, opportunities for the community. So the Memorial Trail is one to highlight here. Like I mentioned earlier in my general manager's report, the CEQA document is out now for comment, but it, it um, reduces impacts on the environment by um, realigning a really steep erosive trail. And, uh, and it also provides improved access. Uh, the, the students at Terra Linda High School are really excited about this project because the, the trail is right, right near their school. And, and one of the things they enjoy is getting out into the preserves. Um, and, uh, it, you know, also there's a lot of social trails in that area. And so this helps to um, reduce sort of the fragmentation of habitat. Uh, another potential project that we're just completing the CEQA document will be going out for comment in the next few months is uh, at Roy's Redwoods where, um, again, it's a project that enhances the, the visitor experience and also restores the, um, the understory and, and the hydrology of that preserve. You know, another priority has been um, climate change and sea level rise adaptation. And just to uh, highlight a couple of projects, the Bolinas Y uh, uh, Sea Level Rise Adaptation Project uh, is one that's uh, been in the planning process for many, many years. Um, it was identified as a priority with the community in the locally preferred plan um, and, uh, and has been in, in design. We've received many uh, grants, state and federal grants to fund the design process. We've already received funding, including from your board for potential implementation. Uh, and uh, and um, we're hoping to again have the CEQA document ready for uh, comment in the next few months. Uh, and then uh, Bothine Marsh, uh, the evolving shoreline project there, uh, project that we're in the design phase for and is one of our one TAM projects. And um, this project is both looking at how to um, adapt the Mill Valley Sausalito multi-use path, which is our most visited facility in the county, and at the same time uh, protect and adapt the marshland that's some really important uh, uh, marshland ecologically there. And uh, that wraps up my presentation. Um, again, I want to appreciate your board for your support and the county community for their support uh, with the extension of Measure A that really makes this work possible. And uh, that, that concludes my presentation. All right, thank you, Max. So um, before I go to questions, I just, I, so within our budget binders, we have the Marin County Parks budget. That's part of our county general budget. What we're discussing right now is specifically the open space district budget. And I just, it's, it's always, I think, maybe a little confusing for me, and then I think it's confusing for maybe the public. A lot of the, so when we, we, are, we sometimes are looking at projects that are funded through both parks budget and Measure A funds or, and or open space district budget, 
But if you could just talk us through the spreadsheet um, that was included in the staff report, and I'm not sure, it basically has three columns, open space, measure A, and general parks. And, 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 uh, and supervisors, not yeah. just in, to let you know, we did add a page to the budget that would show the budget on page 174. It's inclusive of open space. So we have the, the parks general fund budget, uh, on one page and then if you turn the page we have the combined budget because that that has been an issue in the past and so I just want to let you know okay good and that. you know what I was on 173 yes. I hadn't flipped the page exactly. yet yeah okay well I appreciate it but I do think it's it's worth just a little bit more um, explanation around the open space district so that's initial funding was through 1972 tax property tax measure which was also called measure a which just is to make things more complicated. Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're right. So there's three main funding sources that, that provide revenue to our department. The open space district funding can only provide funding for the open space preserves. There's 34 open space preserves, about uh, 17,000 acres. The parks budget is a combination of revenue from the general fund and from fees and lease revenue and is only used in the park sites. Um, the county, and there's about f over 40 park sites across the county that we manage, regional parks to very small pocket parks and unincorporated Marin. Um, and then uh, there, and then Measure A can be used both in park areas and open space areas. So there's more flexibility. As and long so, as it's in alignment with the expenditure categories. Correct. So, uh, so that's why we, tr we, your board has asked in the past for us to present these three things together because it, it just makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. Okay. No, I just thank you for that. And uh, 174 is very helpful. And then that measure A, well, with all those zeros, of course, will look different when we come back with the revised budget. So, okay. With that, um, hand it over for qu any questions from board members on the open space district budget. Okay. Um, so we can go to the public if they have any questions with regards to the open space um, budget. Is there anyone here in the chambers? I'm seeing no one. Al, is there anyone online that would wish to speak to open space? President Rise, there are no speakers in the queue. All right. So bringing it back here, um, we're not actually taking action at this moment, or are we? Yes, unlike the other um, items uh, in our discussion, uh, you do have to take action at the end of this session because you're meeting as the Open Space Commission to adopt that budget. And so you do have to kind of open up the budget hearing and get take public comment before taking final action. Okay, so I'll, I'll do that again. So I'd now like to open up the public hearing on the um, Open Space budget for 22-23. Is there any public comment? Anybody online, Al? Yes, we have Clayton Smith. Please unmute. All right. I would, again, hope that uh, you would include some money in this um, open space budget to um, develop some sort of interrelationship with the U.S. Park Service and see if someone uh, from your park department might uh, be able to uh, uh, find some funding or find a means to get a, a coordinated action together to deal with this uh, overgrowth that lies between the parking lot at the uh, beginning of the Tennessee Valley pathway in the 
National Park up here, this uh, gully that runs, this creek bed that runs from that parking lot almost all the way down, well, it goes all the way down to uh, Coyote Creek here. And um, it, it is a profound danger. If it were to catch fire, I can't imagine. I mean, there's so much to burn down there. Uh, you would have, you'd lose at least immediately 250 houses in this subdivision. And you probably would have no uh, ability to get most of the people out of Tam Valley uh, if you had to do an evacuation. This is a, a big problem that's been sitting here uh, in a state of development for the last several decades. I hope that you'd find the time and the money to actually get out there with the Park Service and deal with it. Thank you. President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right. So with that, we will close the public hearing and um, look for any final comments. Nope. And I would just remark, um, and related to that last comment, that I really appreciate not only the investment and the work that's being done around uh, fuels management and vegetation management generally, um, but look forward to checking out that mapping tool and think that will be helpful for folks. And then um, also just uh, noting the work to come. There's ongoing work and, and maintenance that happens in the, the future work um, that is slated, and um, there's a, a lot there. And appreciate uh, parks and open spaces, partnership with our fire agencies, et cetera. So with that, looking for a motion to adopt the open space district budget. I'll move that. Second. We have motion, Milton Peters, second, Connolly. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And the budget is adopted, and then we look forward to some revisions in the near future. Thank you. All right, so now we do we recess or do anything? What do we no, do? you can go right on to uh, flood control next. Okay. And are we wearing our hats as the flood control and water conservation you district? Are. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good afternoon, Ms. Lewis. Good, after, good afternoon, President Rice and board members. Um, Liz Lewis with the Marin County Flood Control and Water Conservation District, here to present to you the recommended budgets for the eight flood zones managed by the flood district. Um, just want to give you a, a, a map of all eight flood zones located in Marin County. While the flood district boundaries itself encompasses the entire county, um, revenue is only coll collected through the uh, flood zones that are shown here. Liz, can you hold for one second? Can we have this presentation up, please? I'm it's plugged in, right? Yes, it's plugged in. If you would like to forward them, that's great. Thank you. Next slide, please. 
Okay, so we were just on this slide. I was just describing that the Marin County Flood Control and Water Conservation District boundaries encompass entire county, uh, but work is only performed um, within the flood zones that are shown in this map. And as you can see, the majority of the flood zones are located on the eastern Marin shoreline. And I just want to acknowledge uh, the work of our entire Water Resources Division Flood Control District, um, along with the work of and the support of the Public Works Divisions that support the Flood District, including building maintenance, fleet, and, and, and road maintenance as well. Next slide, please. So within, within the um, eight flood zones within the county, uh, this is showing you the revenue source for each of those flood zones. Um, just want to acknowledge flood zone 10 in Inverness doesn't actually have any revenue that's collected. Uh, they're just working from the interest that remains in that flood zone account. Um, but this is showing you that the majority of the revenue sources for the flood zones is primarily through ad valorem, um, with the exception of a handful that either have a uh, for instance, Flood Zone 1 has a maintenance assessment that was adopted in 1984, and then Strawberry Circle has um, a special tax just for 4A, which is the Strawberry Circle area. And then, of course, in the Ross Valley, Flood Zone 9 has a stormwater fee tax that runs through 2027. Next slide, please. So the budgets that we bring to you before your board and the community today for consideration are those baseline budgets um, that are recommended and they're fairly consistent from year to year. They don't include major project expenditures. Uh, those are separate actions that we take both to the advisory boards and then back to your board for approval. So this is intended to represent sort of annual expenses for things like upkeep and maintenance of our levees and pump stations, tide gates, includes fire fuel reduction work, um, creek vegetation maintenance, and sediment management work as well. And so this is all part of our operations and, and asset management for the respective flood zones. Next slide, please. So for those uh, capital projects that include upgrades, replacement of infrastructure, um, adaptation to sea level rise, emergency response. Those capital projects we bring first to the advisory board, the flood zone advisory boards for their recommendation and then back to uh, your district board for a recommendation and approval of any expenditures. So those are, are separate from the baseline budget that you're adopting um, today or considering today. Next slide, please. Um, so this is not a new slide, just kind of covering the major issues that the, the flood district faces um, uh, annually and in decades to come. And then the next slide, please, is a sort of more information, sort of an infographic showing you um, the combined total, the 9.7 million is the combined total for all of the flood zones, the 100 million um, as figure there shows you that's the cost to replace all the infrastructure um, that the flood district maintains. And so um, that's just to show you and to illustrate all of the facilities that are maintained in all the respective flood zones. And this would be the cost um, to replace those those facilities if, uh, if needed. And, and it doesn't even reflect um, engineering design, permitting cost, O&M cost is 
just a snapshot there. And the next slide kind of dials in on our most expensive facilities to maintain and replace, those being the levees and the pump stations. So roughly half of the pump stations um, that we maintain are nearing the end of their useful life. Um, so that's something that we are looking towards and planning for within each of the flood zones um, that's, that have pump stations. Next, I'm going to just kind of go through the expenditures, revenue, and the use of fund balance within each of the respective flood zones. So this is flood zone one in Novato. Um, next slide, please. Flood zone one is our largest flood zone in, in Marin. Um, this is just an example of one of the capital projects that is already um, funding was provided prior fiscal year and the work is underway to um, design and complete permitting and, and environmental compliance for a project that would widen Novato Creek from approximately the smart bridge tracks all the way to Highway 37. Um, we don't have the construction funding for this project, and the engineers are still working on the cost estimates for the construction, but the project is significant in that it would lower water surface during the 50-year flood event for downtown Novato, and it would also lower the water surface by about 0.8 feet upstream of Highway 37 during that same 50-year flood event. Um, but just reiterating that this is work that we hope to bring to you uh, soon, as well as through the advisory board for updates on design, um, but there's no funding for construction. Next slide, please. So Richardson Bay, this is encompassing all of the watersheds that drain from Marin City over to, to Sutton Manor. Um, so this is also um, encompasses multiple smaller watersheds draining to Richardson Bay. Next slide, please. This slide is highlighting uh, work that's proposed um, within Marin City. So this is a Marin City storm drainage project. Staff have applied for a $12 million grant from FEMA. Um, we're still awaiting word on whether the, the scope change request has been approved. Uh, the other thing that staff is working on with County Council is that the drainage improvements are all on a private property. Uh, it's private property owned by the, the Garrity Group. Um, so County Council has been working with them to secure access for the initial um, work that's needed to complete the design and the environmental compliance for this very important project in Marin City to reduce flooding at Drake and Donahue. Next slide, please. So this, this uh, is zone four, is Bel Air and Tiburon. So this is an area where uh, it's a partnership between the flood zone and the, the town of Tiburon. Um, there's two primary creeks that flow through there. Um, next slide, please. Drain to Richardson Bay. And that work was completed. We had a pump station upgrade at the Cove Pop Cove uh, Shopping Center that was completed a few years ago. And now work is um, looking upstream at the creeks that flow to the pump station to look at ways to enhance uh, and, and increase the capacity of those, of those creeks. And then this is, uh, as I mentioned, across uh, Highway 131. There's Strawberry Circle. And so this, these funds are dedicated for the pump station that, that serves that community at Strawberry Circle. Next slide, please. In Stinson Beach, um, we, 
we really don't have any facilities out there per se, um, but we do have, uh, in addition to the vegetation management that's performed along Iskoot Creek, we also have a sediment basin. Next slide. The sediment basin is located behind the Parkside Cafe on, on National Park Service property. So we have an agreement um, with our partners there, National Park Service, to be able to collect uh, sediment there in Escoot Creek and then remove it um, to, to try to provide some capacity in the creek and also to reduce the impacts downstream because we're collecting the sediment in one place so we don't have to go down to all of the respective calles um, further impacting the creek. Now this work is beneficial for the lower uh, flood flow events but when we get higher flood flow events um, we've also been working with the Park Service and um, as they're working on a design to create a more resilient parking lot structure and facility that can withstand um, the natural overflows that occur during higher flood flow events off of Mount Tam um, to try to avoid the type of damage that's shown in, in this slide. Um, so they're currently still working on the design and hope to have an update for the Flood Zone 5 Advisory Board in the community this fall. Next slide, please. So Flood Zone 6 in San Rafael Meadows is a very small flood zone just across the 101 from the Civic Center. The flood zone is entirely within the city of San Rafael, so staff continue to work with the city of San Rafael um, to hopefully at some point maybe transfer the entire flood zone over to the city of San Rafael. In the meantime, we have worked out an agreement with them to increase um, the amount of funding for the city for their maintenance of the storm drain system. There's a couple of small creeks and ditches that run through that area as well. So the current expenditure is, is usually about $35,000 a year for that storm drain maintenance. Next slide, please. Zone 7 in Santa Venetia is just down the road from us here. Um, we have a meeting of Flood Zone 7 tonight here in these chambers um, beginning at 6.30. We'll, we will provide an update. Next slide, please. We will provide an update on the project design process for the Santa Venetia uh, levy upgrade. So that's uh, this evening at 6.30 and we'll provide an update. We'll go over the baseline budget and we'll also go over recommendations um, for a contract agreement that we hope to bring to your board um, on July 12th um, with an engineering firm, um, CSW, for engineering design services. And that's that, that meeting is tonight. And then also, we also have a request uh, for um, maintenance of that existing TRB, which you can see in the photo there. So we're still looking for funding to support the construction there. Um, but in the interim, we're going to be requesting some funds for for construction, I mean, for maintenance of the existing TRB in the interim. Next slide, please. Flood Zone 9 encompasses the Ross Valley with the exception of Corte Madera. So as I mentioned earlier, revenue there is a combination of ad valorem, but primarily comes from the, the Zone 9 fee that's being collected through 2027. And next slide, please. There's work underway, um, construction in two locations. So the stormwater basin upstream of um, Lefty Gomez Field at the Sunnyside, the former Sunnyside Nursery, that's under construction. 
should be completed in the next couple of months with plantings to be completed this over the fall, hopefully during what we have a, a rainy season this fall. And then the Grant and Park pump station in Kentfield construction will start um, this summer. Next slide, please. So finally, um, this wraps up Zone 10. As I mentioned, um, this is you know use of their fund balance because uh, they don't have any revenue. But we are working with um, Supervisor Radoni's office to sort of look at what will be the long-term recommendation for Flood Zone 10. Next slide, please. So just wanted to um, add all of the information, and this presentation will be posted to MarinWatersheds.org. There's also plenty of other information there. Um, this is really a partnership. We, you know, reducing flood risk requires, uh, just like fire risk, requires all of us to be involved and to participate. So we do have um, a lot of tools on our on our website, such as uh, you know rainfall gauges, stream gauges, tidal gauges, and other resources, so that we can all work together to reduce flood risk. And um, any questions, it can be sent anytime to flood inquiry at marincounty.org. So thank you. Thank you, Liz. Uh, any questions for Liz before I open the public hearing? Okay, and this is our second time around on this presentation, but it's still well done. Thank you. So with that, we'll open the um, public hearing for the flood control zone budgets for fiscal year 22-23. And I'm not seeing anyone here in the chambers. Al, is there anyone online that would like to um, speak to the flood control, um, the flood and water conservation district budgets? President Rice, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, I do recall we did have some comments earlier regarding flood matters, and perhaps uh, Supervisor Peters will want to speak to that when we come back. Is if there's no public speakers, then we'll close the public hearing and bring it back here. And did you want to take up that other item? Yeah, I did. Uh, I just wanted to invite um, Clayton Smith to contact my office about information on the Manzanita flooding. If you'll just email me at smoltonpeters at marincounty.org, um, I'm happy to fill you in on the work that Caltrans is doing for short and long-term planning for flooding. Thank you. Okay. So with that, I'd be looking for a motion to do two I things. I guess one oh, question, ahead, yeah, if you don't mind. Are we going to get an, a more comprehensive update at some point about kind of the status of some of these projects? Yes, yes, that would be the plan is to return to your board um, with updates and, and when there's additional requests for funding as well. Okay. Okay. All right, so we need um, a motion to adopt the flood control zone budgets for, or to, yeah, adopt the flood, con flood control district zone budgets for fiscal year 2022-23 and adopt the resolution to undertake facility maintenance and flood risk reduction projects for the fiscal years 2022-23. So move. Motion Rodoni, second Arnold. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And those actions are approved. Thank you, Liz. All right, so now we are moving on to an overview of the special district's budget for fiscal 2022-23, and we have our supervisor hats back on. That's correct. Okay. 
We're going to turn it over to Mina, who is the acting finance director, who will go through the remainder of the special district budgets. Good afternoon, President Rice. Good afternoon, board members. I'm Mina Martinovich, the interim director of finance, and I'm here to provide an overview of the special district budget. So to provide a recap, on June 7th, your board was provided a high-level presentation by the county administrator, whereby this board accepted the fiscal year 2022-2024 proposed all-funds budget be provided for public review. And this all-funds budget also includes the special district budget. Um, the special district uh, component of the all-funds budget totaled approximately $33 million for fiscal year 22-23. Um, and overall, this is a less than 3% increase from the prior year's fiscal year 2022 approved budget. Um, and then the attachments um, to the June 7th staff report, which we've provided here, includes a schedule of special district sources and uses, otherwise known as Schedule 12. Uh, and this presentation is promulgated by the State Controller's Office. Um, and there are uh, varying degrees of presentation differences, um, one of which is it doesn't include the contingency uh, that's included within the budget. So this Schedule 12 is itemized by each of the 46 special districts. This in turn includes the Marin County Open Space District, uh, who we just spoke to this afternoon, as well as the Marin County Flood Control District. So this overview is intended to be just a culmination of all the information within the special district's budget. However, I do want to make note that uh, the collective total of the $33 million in the special district budget, we've already discussed the 9.4 pertaining to open space, and the 8.1 for the flood control uh, zones. The remaining $18 million in the special district budget pertains to the county's community service area districts, our lighting districts, our permanent road divisions, sewer maintenance, debt service, law library, and the IHSS public authority. So each year, the Department of Finance reviews the proposed budgets of our special district and discuss in further detail any fluctuations in the proposed budget, and more specifically, the special district's financing uses net of contingencies as compared to prior year that are deemed significant or material, either by dollar value or percentage variance. So overall, over half of this budget we've already discussed through uh, open space and flood control zones. The remaining are relatively in line with each other as compared to prior year. However, we did take a look further into our community service areas. Overall, based off of this schedule, when we look at estimated expenses for fiscal year 22 as compared to 23, we see an overall $661,000 increase, or 7%. However, when we take into account uh, pre-established contingencies and compare it from a special district's financing uses net of contingencies, it really leaves 
a 3% increase, which is in line with the overall increase in the overall special district budget. Of note is CSA number 17, Kentfield. Um, and those, that budget was in line with additional permits and construction costs for a bridge installation at Hal Brown Park. Also of note was CSA number 18, Galinas Village, which was in line with the budget for potential improvements at Pueblo Park and Castro Park. Also, we looked further into Marin County Law Library, whereby their increase is in line with the hiring of two new FTEs with, uh, with class and compensation reflected within their budget. Thank you. Um, with that, because the overall budget, and in comparison to prior year's budget, which was baseline due to the pandemic, um, we're really seeing for this upcoming budget year uh, appropriation amounts that are in line with um, the needs of each, uh, each district that is more reflective of the reality that they're in and the fund balance that they've accumulated over the years. Um, and so with that, if there are any questions uh, or areas of clarification that our office can look into. I have one. Hi, thank you, um, Mina. I, I was just curious of all the listings. I do not see the CSDs on here. Are they listed somewhere or is that a separate, or did I just miss them? The community service areas? No, district. the community service districts, direct no, districts, which are separately funded by, you Those know, special districts. Like so I guess they're different kind of special districts. Okay. They are independent special districts um, that don't uh, have a financing requirement with the county. So there is, there's a two-factor piece here. So they are independent in both their governing authority as well as uh, the financial burden obligation with the counties, which makes them entirely separate and apart from uh, this County of Marin special districts. These are considered uh, dependent special districts of the County of Marin. And they are also included within our financial statements as component units, um, as opposed to broken out as separate entities within uh, with their own set of financials. And then just a follow-up, Mina, so, so the fiduciary responsibility then lies with with regards to everything in front of us, it lies with us. Mm -hmm. That is correct. With regards to those uh, CSDs, uh, 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 an alternate word, CSAs. That is correct. Their fiduciary duty lies within their governing authority. Got it. Thank you. A quick question. Yep. Nina, I know that the San Quentin um, Sewer Maintenance District is soon to be transferred to Ross Valley. I just don't know if you know anything specific about that. I just wondered if this is the last year we'll see that in this report. It's effective when the dissolution is complete and the fund balance gets gets carried over. So I, I know that there is a process that needs to be go that needs to be underwent um, for the completion of those steps. And for Supervisor Mo Peters, it's a unique case of a CSA being transferred to a community, community a special district, Ross Valley Sanitary. To make it more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so any other questions? Uh, is there any public comment on this? Oh, wait, we don't have to take public comment on this item? 
I'm getting confused now, Matthew. This is just an overview. You, you don't have to take public comment. You can wait until after our uh, our capital improvement presentation. Okay. Ultimately, you will be adopting the remainder of the special districts uh, tomorrow afternoon. Okay, so no action to be taken. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Mina, very much. Very much. So now we will move on to an overview of the five-year capital improvement plan. program. Yep. There you go. It's not. And don't touch it again, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good afternoon, President and Vice Members of the Board. I'm Rosemary Gaglione. I'm the Public Works Director. Uh, I am going to give you a brief uh, overview of our Road to Bridge program, and I have Rachel Calvert behind me, and she is essentially our pavement guru and is available to answer any technical questions for you. We've done a lot of, a lot of projects, and uh, I will only read some of them. Of course, we have a couple of flat projects, and uh, we're in design and completed one on Pierce Point Road, the 2021 Redwood Highway frontage road pavement, um, heading down toward, toward the bottom of the list, I want to highlight the Lucas Valley Road Curve Realignment Project. That was actually an American Public Works Association Project of the Year in 2021, so we're very proud of that. The Sir Francis Drake uh, Boulevard Corridor um, Rehabilitation, we're proud of that as well. And then this year we'll complete the lighting project uh, and get that one closed up. But I really want to highlight at the bottom, it says 36 minor construction contracts, less than 60,000. So there's a lot of things that you don't see that staff is constantly doing and working on. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. So our two-year investment program, we will be, uh, this year we plan on spending a little over $11.5 on roads, followed by $10.2 million the following year. Our bridge program, $800,000 uh, in each year. We have five bridges that we are working on for replacement. Bike ped projects, $2.5 million each year. Retaining walls, $750,000 the first year, a million in the second and local match funds of 500000 each year. So we do get a lot of grant money, but we have to show that we have skin in the game. And our match is anywhere from 11.5% to 25%, depending on the grant program. Now, this graphic, and we'd be happy to come back with just a really robust discussion of roads because we could do multiple slides just on this topic. Uh, I want to point out that when Mr. Miller came to you last year, our percentage of roads that were in the good condition um, were 53%, and we're up to 58% now, which is, which is really good. And what we've done and we continue to do is we want to put money into keeping our good roads good, and so that is what we see here in the, um, what we see here in the green box because oh, – Okay. All right. I just want people to be able to see. So if we look over at the, the far right corner, the difference, it's 3 uh, to $8 per square yard to keep the good roads good, to go ahead and do those ceiling projects and protective projects. If you look to the bottom right, if we get to full depth reclamation, then we're, you know, we're looking at close to $60 a square yard 
and that might be more between yesterday and today, the way things are going. But we want to avoid getting our roads in that area where we have to do full depth reclamation. What we are going to be doing a little bit differently is in the past, the at-risk and the poor roads were sort of lumped together. And some of those were, would get uh, overlays if they were a little more toward the poor section. The idea was they're headed for full depth reclamation and they'll sort of go there. So while we're still going to work on uh, our good roads first and continue the forward progress and we will have those roads that are going to have to go to full depth reclamation, we've pulled out about 10% of our roads that are sort of right in between the good and the at risk. And there are a number of treatments that we can use to prolong the life of those roads. Ideally, you have a curve instead of just this steady decline. You know, you, have, you start with a new road and it starts to decline and you treat it and you pop that PCI back up and then you come a little more and you treat it and you pop it up. So you're flattening that curve a little bit. It, of course, it won't last forever, but your idea is to get the lowest life cycle cost that you can. And these treatments will help do that. Um, there are new treatments where a, a road that is at a 35 or 40 PCI could be popped up into a 70 or 80 PCI for 20% of the cost of a full rebuild. So when the thing with pavement condition index is it tells us the surface appearance. And yes, that relates to rideability and how it feels, but we're really counting cracks and categorizing the type of cracking that you see. What the PCI doesn't tell you is whether or not the, the supporting section underneath the asphalt is in good shape or not. So if you have a road that is a 35 PCI and the structural section has failed, meaning the base beneath that starting to move, you need to rebuild the road. I mean, you're gonna be chasing, trying to bridge that weakness. But you could have a road that has a PCI of 35 or 40 the, the asphalt looks horrible, but that structural section is in really good shape. And so for, <clears throat> for a reasonable amount of money, we can go and bring that road back up and make that road a 70 or 80 PCI, as I said, for about 20% of the cost of rebuilding. We also are going to start taking into account what we're spending to repair potholes. Because what we don't usually do when we look at the life cycle cost of paving is to include the cost of this constant fixing, this band-aiding that we do. If we go out and we actually do some of these other treatments, then we're not gonna have to go pothole those roads. We get better rideability. And um, we're also going to look at the ADT, or how many vehicles per day are going down a road, and how many cyclists are riding. Because we have that opportunity that means we have an opportunity to have multiple happy users a day or multiple unhappy users a day. And although happiness is not an engineering measurement, we're gonna start, we're gonna start looking at those things. We will be looking at bike lanes um, and to look at where most bike cyclists are traveling. Um, areas that a car can easily navigate with no problem can take out a cyclist. And so we will be looking at that. Uh, so we will be looking at reduced life cycle costs and looking at a better experience for all users. And Rachel is going to be working on a six-year plan uh, since we have a two-year budget cycle now, looking at a six-year plan so we can see how our paving, it, what paving is going to be done much farther out, understanding that things can change if things happen with utilities. 
So our bicycle and pedestrian projects, just to recap, we have, we're working on the Sir Francis Drake gap closure. We're very fortunate that Congressman Huffman was able to secure $700,000 in IIJA money for us so that uh, we can do an alternatives analysis. Working on the Redwood Highway frontage road uh, in Strawberry, that'll be a continuous class two bike lane. And intersection improvements we're looking at are roundabout feasibility studies at College, Kent, and Woodland, and at Seminary, Ricardo, Woodland, and Auburn. And roundabouts can be great solutions. It doesn't matter if the power's on or off. You don't have to worry about traffic signals. Collisions are low-speed collisions when they do happen, so it's a much safer uh, system. And you have fewer greenhouse gases because you don't have the stop and go, and you don't have people idling uh, at a stoplight. Also looking at the four corners out in West Marin to uh, see what we can do with that intersection. It, it has so many grades and different things coming into it, it's, it's very tricky. Grant funded projects, we have of course the FLAP, uh, FLAP which is the Federal Lands Access Program. Uh, in design, we have Frank Valley Road, Muir Woods Road, and um, I'm working on Pierce Point Road, and we have several highway safety improvement program projects. As you can see, at Point Reyes, Petaluma Road, putting in a left turn pocket, enhanced pedestrian crossings throughout the county, countywide traffic signal upgrades, and guardrails at various locations. And again, the bipartisan infrastructure law, or the IIJA, we have some money for Sir Francis Drake gap closure. We're seeking funding for local bridges. We we have five bridges in progress, and. As we've been saying uh, multiple times, the highway bridge program is not being adequately refilled, so that's slowing things down. And of course, the climate resilience projects. Also, we're going to be putting together a Vision Zero action plan. That means developing strategies for reducing severe and fatal uh, crashes, the three components, engineering, education, and enhancements. We were just speaking with the um, Public Works Managers Group and the cities. Most of them seem to want to jump aboard when we do this so that they could use the same consultant that we're using, so not everyone's not reinventing the wheel. Um, of course, these would be, we're thinking these would be discrete plans because the, the tools that we would use to reduce collisions uh, in the unincorporated area are not what you would use in downtown San Rafael, so there will be differences between them. We're excited about AB 43, which will allow us to reduce speed limits in areas where we deem that it would be safer to do so. We are un unable to reduce those until 2024, but what we need to do in the meantime is start to really look at where we would get the most bang for that change, because we can only do that to 20% of our road inventory, which is the, the tough part, so we'll have to be judicious. Our challenges, of course, of recruiting and retaining engineers, which is making us um, rethink how we're using our staff uh, and consultants to try to try to continue to get the work out. Increasing project costs, we just don't have a good handle on what's going to happen if uh, if costs continue. That's that's not great, but if we tip into recession, that's a double-edged sword. Less money coming in, but at a bargain. And of course, climate change and sea level rise, which. We will be uh, we'll be working on some sort of structure uh, to bring back to you before the end of the, the new fiscal year, and also looking at how this is going to impact our transportation system. Mm -hmm. So that concludes my presentation, and we're available for any questions you might have. You know, if we could, let's do a, yeah pause, and then before we go to the next section, if any any questions on what Rosemary has presented so far. 
Yes, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Great presentation. I always like hearing how you can increase the PCR, so I learned some new things today. Um, just a quick question. I may have asked you this last time, but do we keep a list of road projects by district? In other words, if I wanted to communicate with District 3 what the road projects of any sort for the coming year, two yes. years would be. Great. Okay. I'll follow up with you in a minute. Thanks. Yeah, and actually, Rosemary, if you could just share that with, with all of us when you develop your work plan, and that'd be great. Okay, we will do. Um, and then I just wanted to ask, and I'm looking for the numbers in front of me. I have a question and I, um, with regards to the actual budget. And, and so sales tax, the gas tax, and sales tax revenue generally and, our, and revenue streams coming into um, public works for Specifically, I'm thinking of mostly around around roads. Are, are we seeing any? Um, is are are we expecting to have um, to have anti the, the funds we anticipated coming in? Yeah. No changes as of this point. What's that? We have a little more than we expected. Okay. All right, but and I'm trying to I'm I'm searching for what was the um, what was the measure the, or what was the the state SB one SB one so that is holding steady. We're not that's okay. Right, no, that that's actually doing better than expected. Okay, and really important to our ability to keep doing work. Okay, great. Well, I um, just want to say th I really appreciate that was that was a lot of stuff fast. I bet some of those slides were actually three slides. We merged them into one. I'll go to you in just one second, Eamon. But I just, um, uh, just really um, wonderful to have our director embracing things like roundabouts and also this concept of looking at our, our uh, road maintenance and improvements with regards to all users on those roads. And then I just uh, do want to suggest as we, because um, we've talked about this offline, often, like you said, oftentimes a road that's fine for, for a car is, you know, not so good for a bike, and especially on those shoulders where it may not be a designated bike path, but where the bikes are traveling. Um, put an overlay of what the, the designated safe routes are as you do that analysis mm -hmm. um, as, as one of the criteria for, for potentially looking at those shoulders and who's using them and et cetera. So thank you, Rosemary. Yes. Yep. And Supervisor, just to follow up on your earlier question on the gas tax, um, we are we are recommending five million dollars, and that's up from four point one last year. Okay. So that we have seen a, a bit of an increase in the gas tax receipts that are available for roads. And I, I bring it up because I know it's a pain point for residents right now. The mm -hmm. the price of of gas and the fact that the state and federal taxes do and local do add to the price of a gallon of gas. But that money is is flowing right back into improvements um, that basically are, are benefiting our residents. So, Damon, go ahead. Thanks. Um, Vision Zero Action Plan. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? How that's going to be effectuated? No, we are going to engage a consultant. It's a big. It's a big uh, project. The idea is that because we've been talking about this for a while. So, okay. and have implemented things that could be part of that, but like more comprehensively implementing this plan. But sorry to interrupt. So, how are we going to do it? 
we will have uh, an inventory done of all of our facilities, our, our infrastructure. We will, ha the consultant will also look at all of our collisions over a certain period of time. I don't know how long, it is, but, uh, and then look at things that we could do to reduce, uh, to reduce collisions and also to help alleviate driver confusion. Because when you talk vision zero, you're not just talking about physical physical changes and keeping someone from crashing through something and hitting something else you're you're looking at how someone especially people who aren't from here and every place should look at their area as the people who aren't from here are they confused at all by where they should be and how they should navigate and who might be entering the roadway so it takes that humanistic approach but there will be a toolkit that will come out of this of treatments to use at various types of intersections on various streets um, protections for pedestrians and cyclists as well. The goal, of course, is that to get to zero, which it's sort of the concept of a limit. You may never get there, but you're going to try and, and do everything you can to get to zero fatalities. Thank you. Make, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I just wanted to make a comment. It's not on your list, Rosemary, but there's a major Caltrans project out on the coast from Dogtown to Tamales, repaving project, and it includes a safe routes to school to Westmoreland School mm -hmm. and I know your staff is engaged in that contract I think it's 23-24 that project so. all right part two <laughs>afternoon president rice good afternoon members of the board i'm doran hill with public works i'm the facilities planning and development manager uh, pro capital projects manager uh, we're going to present to you the capital improvement program briefing for facilities uh, uh fiscal year 22 through 24. our agenda is uh we're going to go over the county facility portfolio the capital improvement program recent accomplishments uh, our proposed projects for fiscal year 22 through 24, emerging issues, both long-term capital planning, summary of estimated needs, initial recommendations for the facilities allocation of one-time fiscal year 22-23 surplus funds, a summary of the funds available and needed over the next 10 years. So county facility portfolio, the owned facilities, owned major facilities, we have 44 major buildings that house multiple staff and members of the public, uh, approximately 1.4 square feet, 1.4 million square feet of uh, space, which encompasses four libraries, six fire stations, two corporation yards, there's a jail and the Marin Center with the auditorium, the exhibit hall, theater, concession, and related buildings and facilities. We have the Health and Wellness Campus, and it has five buildings. Uh, it's depicted there on the right, uh, the Juvenile Hall and related probation buildings. There's parks and open space uh, with their facilities, uh, fire lookouts, airports, and other various small storage buildings. This does not include numerous uh, pump stations. 
at least 22 or over half of our buildings are over 20 years old. Uh, significant repairs and upgrades are needed. The systems and many of these systems have reached their uh, end of their useful, useful uh, life cycle. We also have lease spaces in our portfolio. Uh, one general fund office space that remains is about 775, a little less than 7,500 uh, square feet. It's the Ag Weights and Agriculture Weights and Measures uh, Farm Advisor. We have 14 non-general fund uh, office leases uh, totaling a little less than 46,000 square feet. Includes libraries, uh, child support, HHS, Health and Human Services, and district attorney, and there are four ground leases and licenses. So the program itself, the capital improvement program, it's one subset of facilities projects funding. Uh, annual CIP funding is meant to maintain uh, our existing facilities and extend their useful life. Most projects are health and safety, uh, legal mandates, and deferred maintenance. Uh, prioritized CIPs, CIP or capital improvement program projects are generally between 60,000 to two, 2 million. Anything less than that, and we have quite a few of those, are what we call small projects. Uh, major projects are generally funded separately, and project priorities are developed with individual department discussions, site visits, and there's a rating criteria. We'll get into that in the, in the next uh, slide. Annual funding has increased from $4 million in 2008 to $5 million uh, per year in 2017. Last year, we went to $7 million, and it's similar this year uh, with a little additional, and we'll talk about uh, details on that. So this depicts, the picture on the right is actually a picture of our CIP spreadsheet, as it were. It depicts... Uh, in basically the process, the departments submit requests for projects. Uh, all, practically every department submits uh, a form with their needs and, and their goals. Uh, it's a collaboration between each department. Uh, we meet with them. We collaborate on what those needs are. And then there are criteria ranking. We screen the projects through criteria and ranking. There are 10 criterias. Uh, that we use. Uh, the picture on the right at the top, you can't see it, but they actually list with the weighted rating of each of these criteria. I'm not going to read verbatim all, but I'll, I'll breeze through. Uh, ratings that uh, remove or reduce hazards and threats to health and safety, legal mandates, uh, improves and maintains operations and efficiencies, uh, prevents major replacement uh, costs, saves energy, uh, meets many of the goals that you have set as a board and your uh, board priorities, uh, provides aesthetic benefits uh, to both users, our, our folks who uh, live in these buildings or work in these buildings, and the public. The last three, with the asterisk, they are new criteria that we've added. Uh, leverages grants, fees, and other non-general funds and resources. Uh, promotes equity and improves services to underserved uh, communities and part of a phased project or pre-approved project uh, that, that has been approved and we're taking it usually to the next phase. Fiscal year 22-24 is a pilot program which 
uh, takes us into two, a two-year cycle. Um, in addition, additionally, we have $2 million allocated to the CIP for fiscal year 22-23. We'll go into a little more detail on that, but that's on top of the $7 million. Uh, fiscal year 22-23, we have eight prioritized projects that's been rated and with the criteria. There's projects or these line items that we call standard or ongoing funding items that you'll see every year. Accessibility projects, small projects, uh, non-reimbursable uh, planning. Uh, funds of $9 million in the fiscal year 22-23 uh, in projects. Uh, and then in fiscal year 23-24, 7 million. And we're keeping 1.8 million in, as a set aside uh, for the two year cycle. We can consider this contingency for the first year, as well as uh, the, uh, many times uh, we have sideways projects or emergency projects or mid-cycle projects. So that's what that 1.8 million in contingency uh, could be used for if needed. Here's just a sampling of some of our recent accomplishments. Uh, the list is long, but uh, I've chosen three pictures here. Uh, we did some accessibility improvements at the Bayside Park. We've installed a permanent 500 kW generator at the Kerner campus, the Health and Human Services Wellness campus. And there is off-site storage uh, for historical archive of the assessor's uh, recorders um, um, documents, and those documents can be over 100 years old. And then here's a sampling of projects in progress. We have a couple of 120 Redwood projects, uh, both continuing with our backup power infrastructure. Uh, we've got some tenant improvement projects at 120 North Redwood, a couple of jail projects, uh, HVAC replacement and accessibility, uh, ADA upgrades to the booking and, and visitor area, library projects, um, Fairfax Library, uh, fire and sprinkler upgrades, and Marin Center, we are at the final stretches of completing the seismic upgrade of the exhibit hall at the Marin Center. And then we always have uh, things in the works, planning, studies, assessments, designs. Uh, one here is the county cost-benefit analysis on deferred equipment. This is a project that's going to gather data and set us uh, up for the next step of an asset management uh, system. Uh, we've got a number of assessment projects, and, and those, the data from that is going to help us go into the next phase of, of our uh, asset management program. We have the Civic Center Skylight refurbishment, um, another backup power, big one, at the Civic Center, uh, emergency backup power infrastructure, study and installation. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the, in the presentation. Uh, EV charging stations at our uh, general services building. This is our, our fleet adding to the EV charging that we already have in our, our current fleet. We've got a fire alarm system design and jail video security replacement uh, upgrades. And so here's a breakdown of the actual uh, projects over the next two fiscal years. Uh, as I stated, there's the ongoing projects. And then the rest of the projects uh, from assessments, we've got those in alpha order. So the category is alphabetized, starting with assessments. 
and then it's, it's the ranking. So category and then ranking is the order that we've uh, placed here. Uh, Civic Center, we've got an assessment of our HVAC equipment. Once again, data is going to be gathered on that to help us with our next uh, project, which is an asset management program. Uh, jail isolation cells, uh, these are a couple of code safety projects in the jail. Um, uh, air changing and a, a safety mesh uh, to stop folks from falling off the top of a, a second tier. We've got some beautification projects here at the Lagoon Park Pathway Gap Closure Upgrades uh, and Novato uh, Pathway Bowman Bridge Improvements. What I'd like to point out is that there are eight of these projects that are being funded for uh, fiscal year 22-23. And as you can see in the, um, the table that on this first page, uh, four of those projects are in the 22-23 and the other projects, uh, the rest of the funding will be in the following fiscal year. Uh, continuing, we have a few maintenance projects, um, a couple of waterproofing projects. Uh, there's a, a water table in both of these uh, areas that cause water intrusion in, in both buildings, and we're going to remedy that uh, with these maintenance uh, waterproofing. A major, these next three are actually major replacement projects, um, jail fire alarm system replacement, uh, veterans memorial auditorium, parking lot improvements. Uh, these, that particular one, we've actually been putting money away for that over the last several years. And we, with this uh, budget approval, we should, we'll have enough to actually implement that project. Uh, jail security camera system replacement. And finally, we list the contingency amount of $1.8 And with that, I'm going to hand this over to David Spear. Thank you, Doran. Good afternoon, President Rice and board members. I'm David Spear, the Facilities Planning and Development Manager for the County Administrator's Office. And um, I'm going to start with this slide here, if we could put that up. Um, talking about long-term capital planning and capital needs over the next 10 years. And we're going to focus on a few of these items in the numbers below, but in this, in the actual CIP document, there's a, a, a section called large projects and emerging issues that are not, and these large projects are funded outside of the CIP process. And so this is what we're focusing on, these areas that are recommended for this year's one-time uh, budget allocations from the year-end fund balance. So um, these are civic center maintenance, health and human services projects, resiliency investments, fire facilities, and then those are the, and then other general fund facilities that we'll be talking about in the next, uh, in the next steps section. Um, we've, we've been working with building maintenance and estimated that the civic center campus over the next 10 years, there's approximately from somewhere anywhere from 25 to $40 million needed in maintenance. Um, these include the Skylights project, is, uh, painting the exterior of the facility, the planters in the Hall of Justice waterproofing, the mechanical equipment. Um, as Doran pointed out, we're doing a study for that. Um, the mechanical equipment is from the original building constructed over 50 years ago. Um, walkway and parking lots paving and lighting. Uh, many projects in the Lagoon, Lagoon Park. I know we all like to walk around Lagoon Park and we all see projects we can do there. Um, obviously, we're working, we've been working with the 
Agricultural Institute of Marin that runs the farmers market, and uh, that's discussed in the emerging issues section. But they would be taking over uh, part part time the Christmas tree lot. And then, as Doran mentioned, we're working on some projects in the general services building, and there'll be more of those over the years. Um, Health and Human Services. Um, we have an initial estimate between 50 and 30 million over the next uh, 10 years. Uh, some of the examples include Southern Marin Hub, and I know you're um, talked about. Uh, Matthew's talked about setting aside four million dollars from the second half of the ARPA. That would be helpful to get started on that. Um, we also own a building, 51% uh, with the Marin Healthcare District owning 49% of it at 250 Bon Air. That building is uh, was built in the 70s and really has nothing has been done to that. And so we've initiated through Doran's shop a, um, a facility assessment. We estimate it could be up to $20 million of upgrades for that facility shared uh, proportionally with Marin Health. Uh, Marin Health. And um, you can see a, uh, a rendering of the uh, future facility at 920 Grand Avenue in San Rafael, a 16-bed adult transitional residential treatment facility your board funded. Uh, opening this fall with approximately a six million dollar budget, and so that'll be really exciting when that opens. Next slide. Um, as Doran mentioned, resiliency projects in the Civic Center um, over the next ten years. Um, we won't go into the details, but how this all started from public safety power shutoffs, as we all remember a few years ago. But um, one project that that's under design right now is. Uh, in, in by Public Works is to provide new switchgear. Switchgear is again from the original building. This switchgear would be um, at the PG&E meter and which is at the exterior of the administration building. The idea is that with this new switchgear we'd be able to provide infrastructure for uh, attaching generators to the switchgear or future battery energy storage system um, or solar power to this and the, with the idea that the, the Civic Center, if the power goes out, that we'd be able to operate the Civic Center uh, in the future without having to work remotely or be in the dark like we did. Um, we also have an existing 50-year-old plus 400 um, kVA, kilowatt generator in the Civic Center. It's, it's over 50 years old. It recently needed repair, and it, many of you remember that there was a temporary emergency generator out in the... Um, administration building driveway and that was just to power basically the life safety systems which is a requirement so it means if if the power went down we could still get the elevators to the floor we could still get the the lighting on um, and those types of things and so that's really all of the backup that that generator um, covered it, it used to cover the 911 dispatch area that when it was in the civic center civic center area which is the north side of the Civic Center Hall of Justice, we're probation now. So there's not, it really doesn't benefit too many of the departments right now. Next page. Um, so at this point, we're working with Public Works to study um, whether providing permanent generators with automatic transfer switches at the Civic Center um, would be feasible and make sense instead of just replacing the existing 400 kilowatt generator. Um, replacing the existing kilowatt generator, I forgot to mention, is estimated to be approximately $2 million. That needs to be studied in more detail. Whereas potentially um, providing permanent power is estimated to be approximately $8 million. Um, we're working with Public Works Department and uh, to 
work with them to apply for a hazard mitigation program grant at the earliest opportunity. Um, these grants are not offered on a regular cycle, so we don't know, you know, if we can and when that grant cycle would happen. But if we were successful, we could get 75% of the cost covered. Uh, and we'll work closely with the Department of Public Works and report back to your board on that. Um, next, fire service. Um, we have uh, many, many sort of issues with our fire station facilities. We have one new facility, Tamala Station. Uh, some, many of the others are old. They don't meet the essential services standard of the facilities. Um, and so the initial estimates for, for uh, upgrading the facilities range from 40 to 75 million. And that depends on the, ultimately on the programming. We decide with the fire facilities headquarters uh, when, we, when we are able to find a new location for that. Uh, it also includes the maintenance repairs costs for Point Ray Station, Marin City, and the Hicks Valley Fire Station. And then um, I, th I think as you discussed this morning and prior budget uh, discussions here over the cycle, that fire work crew is uh, dependent upon some of the state budget uh, coming up that's been postponed to later this fall. Next page. Um, in, in the document, we have a really neat map here of the county, of the county facilities um, that shows all, all of the major county facilities um, that I didn't discuss here. It includes, for example, the, the Nicasio Corporation Yard, the Health Campus uh, down on Kerner in San Rafael, West Marin facilities, uh, the, the hardscapes, the parking lots. At, at a lot of these other facilities have sort of fallen through the cracks, and we're working with um, Department of Public Works to come up with a plan to deal with those. Uh, and then our Lucas Valley Campus where the parks has an office building and juvenile services and juvenile hall is located. So as I discussed at the beginning, the recommended one-time allocations for facilities from this fiscal year's year-end fund balance as discussed of 13.25 million. Uh, we recommend civic center facilities improvements for 5 million, health and human services of 2 million, resiliency efforts of 2 million, and then fire facilities 4.25 million. And then the other county facilities that I discussed that are on that map page, we'll have to dis we'll have to find out in future CIP or, or, or fund from future CIPs or reserves. This this chart is a summary of the funds available and needed over the next ten years. I'll quickly go through that. Um, on the left side is the items that I just went through from uh, general fund facilities, the Civic Center, H and HS, Resiliency, and Fire. And our current set aside totals 46 million. Uh, the proposed additional fundage of 13.25 million. And so the subtotal is we have almost $60 million. Um, one, one item to note though is the general fund facilities not covered in this, in this as it's to be determined up on the top in the estimated capital needs. And so um, if you go to the next steps, we'll be determining that amount, but we estimate it's 50 to $60 million. Um, but Public Works is, um, is going to prepare a high-level countywide facility assessment of the basic maintenance and obsolete systems at facilities. And that's where we'll determine sort of what that number is. Is it really 50 to 60 or is it more than that? Um, and then we'll work together with the Public Works Department to implement an asset management system to implement the data that we capture from this countywide facility assessment. And then based on that, we'll develop a 10-year facilities plan. 
Uh, the first bullet I skipped over because I wanted to talk about it. Um, one of the big focuses that our office, the, the county administrator's office, working with uh, Doran's shop in public works and with the uh, fire chief and the fire department is to develop a five-year capital work plan for the fire department. Um, as, as we noted, there's been funds set aside for fire. Um, what we did in, in, with their proposed projects in that came to Doran and me in the capital improvement program is we worked with fire to say, we'll set those aside. We had projects at all of those fire facilities, and we said, we'll develop a five-year capital plan just for fire and address those. So we'll be coming back to your board, hopefully late, late summer, early fall with that. And that's it for today. Any questions? Oh, I, I would like to say, just to say thank you to your board for your great support of the capital program. Um, there was a lot of additional funding this year. We thank you for that. We thank the county administrator for that. And then for getting this, this uh, booklet done, we want to thank public works departments who have input, parks department, the library department, and uh, especially Doran, and then Jeff Wong, who works with me to get this booklet done. I guess the only other thing I would add is that, um, you know, one of the overall strategies is to, we know we're going to have to uh, make investments in our fire facilities, for example. And so we have been starting to set aside money for that purpose over several years. And that's a strategy we've had for other big initiatives. Like when we knew we wanted to do the health campus in, in the canal, we didn't have a site set up, but we knew we wanted to do a health campus. And so we started setting aside money or the public safety emergency response. And so what that allows us to be is agile when the opportunity comes to you know make an investment. We already have money set aside, and then we can also look at debt service to augment in the future uh, once we have a, a more well-defined project. But having you know 50 to $60 million to start uh, on these high priority projects will put us in a good position to move if those opportunities arise. All right. <laughs> there will be a test at four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, questions, comments, Supervisor Rodoni. Um, not really any questions, just thank you, David and Doran. Um, really a thorough presentation and I really appreciate the look forward that it presents. I think the, the five-year capital work plan based on fire is so important because we've kind of been doing piecework and we need to figure out once we start moving how all these pieces are going to work together at the end to really build the best facilities we, we're going to need for the future. Um, and I also appreciate the asset management approach because I think that's going to help us to decide what are the most important things to address when. And so I really appreciate that. And Supervisor Moulton Peters and I had the privilege of getting part of this presentation earlier as a subcommittee, and I really appreciated that too, so thank you. Yeah, I would agree, and I want to say this is fantastic to see all this in one place, so well-defined. Thank you for this, and as uh, Supervisor Dawn said, for the very thorough look ahead. You're getting things really shaped up, and now we just have to find more money, like Matthew said. <laughs> Maybe you could sell your money. <laughs> that did that. That's right, yeah. Lemon bars. Lemon oh, lemon, lemon bars, bars not yes. lemon drops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Supervisor Connolly. 
Um, thank you to uh, both. Um, I, I do have a couple of questions, and I was also reading through the this. Um, so, in in I think it's really important. I'm glad we're planning on um, resiliency around some of our primary buildings. But I'm also thinking more, and and really we're kind of we're focused on. Um, the Marin Center campus, Health and Human Services at Kerner and 120 North Redwood, and um, uh, uh, Marin Center, those buildings. And and a lot of the resiliency that you're talking about is backup power for when power goes down so that work can continue and, and or delivery of services. But we have also, we deliver services out farther afield. And beyond that, and I'm thinking of, of West Marin um, or, or wherever, um, but I'm also thinking about how the backup power, specifically down at the um, Marin Center, serves for when that facility acts as a shelter. And we know that's not the only shelter that is activated when we have a fire and or when we have a smoke event or heat events. And so I'm, um, I was looking for, and, and it, may not, it may not fit under your umbrellas or your hats, um, about what sort of planning's going on and or potential look at where we need to invest to in other properties, whether they are libraries um, that also operate as cooling centers and or um, clean air centers during smoke events, or some of our other buildings um, that may not, maybe they're owned by a special district, but I think um, I don't wanna leave that out of the conversation around resiliency, um, and it does seem like it is part of our capital program. So any comments there? Uh, well, just to start off, I, and, and I think DPW can speak to it more, um, more specifically, but the, the idea of the Marin Center serving as a, like a, a resource to our community. So one of our first investments in, in resiliency was wiring um, the exhibit hall and having a generator at exhibit hall. And then that was also the thought process around the health campus as well, that community room being a community resource when the power is out. So so we did do that at the front end, and some of this is kind of follow-up on uh, county operations, but we can certainly work with other, you know, community resources to try to figure out ways to work with them on that resiliency. And I know the cities are going through those discussions right now right. as well. Right, and I am thinking there's areas of unincorporated mm -hmm. Marin, and, and I think our understanding of what an emergency is and where we might be ne needing to stand up um, mm -hmm. resources, and I'm kind of focusing on the clean air and the cooling mm -hmm. centers, mm -hmm. um, which you, you can't ask folks to come to a regional site for something like that. So anyway, I think that's important, and of course, if it's if it's a, a smoke issue and a, on a heat I issue, that means we likely have a PSPS, which means no power, which and you need power to run that HVAC unit and whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just want to make sure that's on our radar generally. Um, and then also, uh, let's see, I, um, with regards to just procurement generally, um, me that sort of that falls under public works, yes. Um, I would love at a future date or later date to sort of have a um, assessment of how, how are we're how we're doing in procurement around meeting sort of zero waste goals and starting to think about compliance with with our own ordinance um, that will go into effect later. And then similarly, I'd love to um, get an update on our progress and our planning around electrifying electrifying our, our fleets. 
than that, I have nothing. You guys have a lot on your plate. Just put a little more. So thank you very much for the presentation. And I believe that's all we have today. We'll go to public comment, and then um, we'll be able to take the rest of the afternoon off. So um, are there any members of the public that would like to speak on any of the presentations this afternoon? Not seeing anyone here in the chambers. Is there anyone uh, on Zoom or online? Al, are you there? Looking for a public comment. Do we have, let me see. Doesn't look like. Okay. Not seeing any hands raised. So with that, we will um, we will recess and then we will continue to we'll be here back here tomorrow at one thirty. One thirty tomorrow, where and we'll go over the nonprofit community final recommendations, uh, take public comments, have an update on fire wildfire preparedness, the Office of Emergency Services reorg, any follow up issues and closing statements, and then the final adoption of the budget. All right. All right. Thank you all. Thank you.